0: What is up everyone and welcome into episode 48 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. I'm Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this week's episode we're going to get into a little bit of education. We're going to talk about adding texture to your playing through flams, diddles, and buzz strokes. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Jay Weinberg of the band Slipknot. In our gear review section we'll be checking out the D-Drum Reflex Rally Sport Drum Set. We're going to get to a ton of your listener questions and always we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Oh my God! Episode 40 is starting off good. Yeah. starting off real good. How are
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I don't have my recorder set to surround sound, and I'm in a boomy room in my parents' house. So, is that
0: what was going on last week? Because yeah. I listened to the podcast yesterday, uh, and I was I was riding my bike, but I had so I had my earbuds in, but they're kind of they're not quite full in ears, but they're pretty good earbuds, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, like every time, yeah. we, all right. It was my bad. I mean, it, my
1: apologies, to everyone whose ears were bleeding. There was also like some kind of a weird hum. I don't. It's, yeah. Whenever I yeah. take this this little recorder outside of my office, it it does crazy stuff. So
0: it's a modern drummer recorder, man. It's yeah. not meant to leave. Let's well, just
1: hope right now it's recording
0: accurately. <laughs> oh yeah, I should probably check. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're on. <laughs> Yeah, we're a minute and 12 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did we ever admit to what happened that one time when I actually didn't press record and we had to do the whole hour over again? I don't know if we did, but yeah, I think that we just was, did.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that sucked. That's like could when you, you, uh, m-
1: you got to keep or take. And then the guy's like, uh, I messed up with that. You have to do it again. Yeah. And like,
0: Oh, I'll never oh, be able to do no, that again. No, no, <laughs> that's pretty much how it was. Uh, that, that one was tough, man. Just having to look you in your Skype eyes and be like, bro, <laughs> I did not press record and it was a full hour. So I was, I was actually riding my back, my bike extremely excited that there could be anything technically wrong with our podcast. And it would be on you. That yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> finally <laughs> the king has screwed up and he didn't screw up it was but it was fine the one thing i will say though you got to take that uh that cell phone off of buzz when you get your texts i know right it was like it through my and i was like what is that did a bee fly in my eye let me see what's happening right now yeah we're good we're good let me just put it way over here just put this on a pillow on the pillow that i practice my double strokes on i swear we're professionals that's right how are you man I'm good. It's been, uh,
1: you know, I came back from a little vacation and, and been feeling really productive and and ready to rock. So I'm finishing up a cover story this week. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a procrastinator with that kind of stuff. I'm sure. <laughs> Hopefully, some people can relate that there's just an anxiety for me of like actually hitting the first word like typing I, the first word it's just an anxiety so i have to just kind of do everything i possibly can before i do that i have to clean my office i have to return right. product review stuff i have to research <laughs> the guy i have to watch every video i can find of the guy and then finally it's like there's nothing more you can do it's time to do your job
0: <laughs> so. absolutely do you remember when i was writing articles for md You used to have to email amber every time where it was like hey we go to print on wednesday is there any way mike could do this and it it takes me, it you know, I would say at the most takes me like an hour. So it's not like it, it I didn't have the time. It was just like ah, just procrastination. I, yeah. I just because once it was done, it was like, why didn't I just do that for him three weeks ago? That would have made his life much easier. Yeah. But that's my uh, that's my the reason I'm here on this earth is just to drive you nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just, you've you've
1: fortunately made your you know your living doing video and not having to type too much. So. Right. That's that I guess is maybe easier for you. I don't know. But
0: it is. I could make videos for you or anyone all day long. Um that was like my favorite part. Like I'd write the article and then it was like, oh now I'll just go film the video and that's that's easy. But even writing the text in the video, like Trip-a-diddle, <laughs> hip-a-diddle, lick. I'm like, ah, should I use this font? Should I use that font? Is that too big? <laughs> is that too small? It's it it starts all over again. Welcome it's to terrible. my world. That's my everyday. <laughs> Ugh. Jeez, Louise! Now I do have a question because I I only see the window that you show me into Modern Drummer. So I don't really—I've never visited your guys' offices. Do you guys work together at all, or is there just like morning meetings, or how separate is the whole staff? It's pretty separate,
1: but we're all like every month we get together as a staff and go over the next issue, like article by article, page counts, who's done the photos, what's the general vibe. So we do that every month. So everyone knows what the issue has inside of it and kind of what's pending and what needs to be followed up on. Then we just go and do our own gigs and then Got we it. get back together when it comes to the final proofing stage to go through the magazine again, page by page and make any last minute tweaks. So there's, there's like three times per cycle where we get together. And then we have Got separate it. meetings where we just talk about new ideas and things like that.
0: Now <clears throat> you don't have to go through each employee skill by skill. Cause I don't, I don't, care to know that but can everyone there play because I was honestly shocked when I saw you play for the first time that you weren't like a hack drummer it wasn't working you decided to write for a magazine I was like oh you're a professional drum set player can everyone there play or does everyone play yeah the editorial staff is all drummers
1: Uh, everyone else really is not
0: but yeah the editorial staff is all drummers
1: so we and we're all very different so we kind of bring our own experience and our own interests into the fold so it's cool it's definitely a most of our brainstorming is focused on things that we're individually curious about.
0: That's and, awesome, man. Yeah.
1: That's really cool.
0: Good stuff, man. Yep. Yeah. So what's up with you, man? Uh, enjoying a week and a half off. I uh, just finished my first advanced camp of the year and those give me the biggest anxiety because in my experiences, we're, we're a little, we're right around 70 camps deep now since we started doing drum camps here. The advanced camps are the wild card. They, they could bring out the cocky drummers. They could bring out a, a little bit more ego than what Mike's lessons normally attracts. And so it was the first advanced camp. I knew one of the cats, Eric. Uh, I've had him here in three different camps, but he just graduated Berkeley. Nice. I didn't know what Berkeley had done to him. You know, if there was like any kind of arrogance. And I got to say, he represented that school really well. Like whatever stereotypes you could have about Berkeley grads and you know attitude, it was completely squashed for these other seven campers that got to be around him where they're like, uh, he's as humble as they come. He's totally willing to share all of his information and he has, you know, more like educational pride rather than school pride. So yeah, cool. So it was great. And I mean, obviously I, I, I've known Eric for a long time. He's a fantastic metal drummer. Uh, actually he, his band went out with, uh, animals as leaders and periphery and did that metal cruise, Mike Portnoy's metal mm. cruise. So he's a, he's a legit player. Um, but yeah, it was just a fantastic group. We had a um, a pastor here, and I didn't know about it for a while. And then uh, I was like, "So what do you do for a living?" He's like, "I'm I'm a uh, you know I give sermons at a church." And I was like, "Oh you you uh, how are you involved?" And He's like, "Well, it's my church." And I was like, "Wait, what?" Oh, and then nice. I'm re I'm going back in time of every cuss word that I've dropped, <laughs> every you know ounce every of double blasphemy. entendre. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, so what are your feelings about me now after uh, spending two days? And so he was fantastic but uh, and never made anybody feel on edge that they couldn't be themselves. We just had a great camp. So I've got two weeks off now or about a week and a half left, and then I've got my first ladies camp of the year starting four returning campers. Uh, We have, uh, I think, one is coming from Panama. Cool. Uh, So that's great. And uh, and then we have four new ladies coming as well. And then – I, I talked to uh, our boy Matt Halpern yesterday. He's got that new product, uh, Get Good Drums. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, it's a sample library, right? Yeah. So it's and, and it's software too. I, I didn't really know that much about it, but you don't actually get the samples. You're getting the software that has the samples in them, and then you program your stuff using their software. So okay. it's a, it's an entire package. So, anyways, he reached out and he said, "Hey, we've recorded these things, and I guess the reason why they did it, you know, there's uh, BFD and there's tune tracks." And he was saying a lot of these sample libraries aren't really meant for metal drummers. They've never hit at the velocity that I hit. So we wanted to sample my drums the way I truly hit in a concert, um, from ghost notes all the way up to that, because obviously the tones of the drums change when you, you know, they're almost getting choked when you hit them that hard, right. but it's a very specific sound. So anyways, he was saying, do you have any need for this stuff? And I, I said, dude, I, I, I don't use samples at all. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, I thought, wait a minute—the Groove Scribe uses samples, but I'm not set up to sample my drums here. I mean, mm. I don't even know if our wave files are perfectly in time. There might be some latency right. when right. when I clipped it. So I was like, that would be fantastic. So I think um, he's gonna—we're gonna start working together, and we're gonna be able to use his samples. And then eventually, I talked to Lou uh, Montuli, the developer of the Groove Scribe, and we're gonna work next week. I'm gonna um, go to his place. We're gonna work on maybe giving. People multiple kits to choose from. So when they're creating a funk groove, they have a funk kit, and when they're creating a metal loop, they have a metal kit to choose from. So yeah, that's great. Uh, but we'll be partnering with uh, Matt and get good drums for that. So I'm excited with that. And then uh, I guess I guess your uh, biggest fears came true. People do listen to this podcast.
1: Oh <laughs> no, because I got.
0: Uh, uh, Nick uh, Crescenzo from The Deer Hunter reached out, and he was like, Hey, man, thanks for the kind words. I've been watching your videos since 2008. I'm a huge fan. And nice. I was like, what? And then we started texting back and forth, and we did the uh, you know the overly kind thing. He's like, this can't be you, because you, there's no way that you would actually like my drumming. And I'm like, no, you couldn't possibly be a fan <laughs> of me. I'm your biggest fan. And we did that whole thing. Anyways, we ended up on the phone, and the bromance started, and the guy just couldn't be more humble, more down-to-earth. So, I I had a great conversation with him, and it's always, you know, he was. I have my drum idols. He's in my rock star idol category where it's like, I, you know, I don't try to figure out his parts or anything like that. I just love their band and I like being a fan. And it's just great when the people you look up to don't let you down as people. And he's a really good guy. So, yeah, in general, drummers don't suck in general. In general, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I couldn't disagree with you more. (laughs) (laughs) To all the Tylers out there, both of you. (laughs) By the way, just so you guys know, I feel bad for Tyler and Tyler. So it's Tyler Reichert and Tyler Lesperance. They are two of the greatest people around. They just got caught in the middle of a little wildfire between Mike and myself. So, uh just know they're they're really now their first name has become just an adjective to describe things. I'm just getting very Tyler around here. All right, let's get into some education. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about texture in yeah. your drumming specifically and maybe in my journey. So I was wondering. In your Not in your snare drum development, or maybe you can't separate the two, but in your drum set development, when did you start realizing that any note could be flammed or diddled or buzzed and you could start making things a little less blocky? Or did you ever make that realization?
1: That had to have been hand-in-hand hand with me studying jazz. It had to have been because that's, that's where all that nuance is really – I mean, you're – The the style of jazz drumming is to be melodic and expressive beyond just hitting the drums with single strokes. So it had to have been... I mean, there's a lot of buzz buzz rolls leading into stops and starts in jazz or leading into a solo. You do a big build to kind of set the guy off. So it had to have been... So that would have been high school, maybe, where I just decided... And listening to guys that were playing that way in, in more contemporary styles. Like, I became... Uh, our our mutual favorite drummer Matt Chamberlain was my guy since '94 or something very like that. Textured. Very textured, very yeah. And it's yeah. all about seamless ghost notes and buzzes and and flams and things. So probably it was. And and also I did study a lot of classical snare drums. So you're learning all that stuff. It just becomes part of your your knowledge. Like to roughs and and drags just become a way to make a, a note stronger.
0: Right, so it yeah. just kind of
1: pops out. And flam's the same way. Now, flam's probably drum line, so that would have been high school as well. Okay. When it yeah. really started exploring uh, flam accents and flam paradiddles and things. And-, and
0: were you learning them on a surface for, for drum line and then thinking, how can I apply this to drum set? Or was it something like seeing Tony Williams and you go, wait a minute, that's the same stuff I'm doing on my snare drum? I never even thought to put it on the kit. How, what was the realization like for you?
1: It was probably Vinny and Weckle and yep. also I mean, I played <laughs> uh, I played quads in high school. So okay, you're and I played quads specifically because I wanted to relate that stuff to the drum set. So you're already doing flam accents split over four different drums. So it was just and sweeps and things, which are like yeah. double stroke rolls. So it it just then I would go to the drum set and see can I do that quad lick on my four toms it just right. became a thing so yeah drum line had a lot to do with flams and diddles concert band had a lot to do with buzz strokes and jazz definitely had a lot to do with that stuff yeah yeah
0: i'm just it's that's awesome man. it's pretty crucial i think i i, I couldn't agree more and i think it's also crucial for people that do come from that world to i just went through this in the last camp where somebody just couldn't stop all of that stuff you know i would put them out there and just say okay this is just a pop tune and every fill had buzzes and it had diddles had flams it was so textured and i was like man you don't know how to play blocky do you and so we had to go through all of the blocky fills i was like okay this is you know pat boone debbie boone you gotta have this one down man like you're gonna and, and everything always turned into this like lick thing. And, and this wasn't a person that was showing off. It was actually somebody that was coming from a big band world. Um, they'd, they'd grown up yeah. playing big band their entire life. And, and it was so cool to see the transformation in this camper. And what had happened was he came in and overplayed everything and didn't really have a spot for anything that was happening. And then each day, a little bit more got taken out. So he never had to learn anything new. Just Mm -hmm. every day, something got taken out. And then on Friday, which is our last day of camp, it was so beautiful because we forgot he was out there. When he was playing a song, we were all here in the studio room, and we just started talking to each other. And the reason why is we weren't worried about him. We didn't have to keep track of what he was doing. It just sounded like the radio was on. Oh, wow. And, man, when he was done, I was like, holy crap. I I just ignored you for three minutes. I can't give you a bigger compliment than the fact that you just allowed me to (laughs) hang out with my buddies and catch up with them on the last day of camp while you just kept great time and played proper fills and you never caused me to jerk my head back around to the drummer and be like what was that yeah and i just gave him a big hug and i was like man that's i know it doesn't feel like you grew at all cuz all i did was take things out of your drumming but trust me as a musician you grew a ton yeah. so
1: yeah i mean avoiding habits is i mean that's kind of the crux of the whole it's kind of the the catch 22 because drumming is Literally nothing but muscle memory habits. I mean, you have to learn how to do these. You have to train your body to do these things, but then you have to stop doing them out of habit. <laughs> so it right? becomes like a, you know, you get to a certain point when okay, I can my body can just play. Now you have to yes. decide. I'm not going to let my body just play. I'm going to you know decide what I'm going to do. And, and I, that for me was recording. I learned that all that little noodly stuff just ends up being distracting unless you have the control of a Jeff Picaro or a Right. It just It's just distracting. Flams, even. I mean, a flam on a snare drum, if it's not meant to be a big splat in your face, for me, on recording, it's just like, whoa, that sounds like a mistake. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, just don't do that stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's, and I think recording yourself is a big part of that, and people can do that now, so they should do that now. I mean, you can—all of that—you know, I remember, okay, so my first band goes in. I'm 16 years old. We go into a recording studio. It's my first time ever hearing— a click track i'd never i did i honestly did not know that a click track and a metronome were the same thing i was yeah, like oh yeah. the click track is for the studio when you have headphones on a metronome is a thing you actually hold in your hand and play with your practice pad so when they put the click on and it was the loudest cowbell i've ever heard in my life <laughs> i had no idea how to play to it and i remember thinking at the time well i guess i'll have to book more studio time to get used to that and it's like wait, can I just do that at home? Can I record myself? (laughs) But it didn't click to me at all, you know, not even a little bit. And so people should be recording themselves and putting themselves in that situation and find out, okay, the flams, the diddles, the buzz strokes, the texture, where, where does it fit? And then find the people that do it and then recall not their drumming, but the musical setting they were in when it happened. When I listened to Matt Chamberlain play certain things, I'm always assuming that all he does is fl- flams and textures and buzz and then 90% of the recordings he's doing he doesn't do that at all. It's just yeah. the ones that I fell in love with that made me think oh that's the representation of Matt Chamberlain. He's not always playing you know track 9 on Fiona Apple's album right, in, right, where he gets to do his thing but that was my favorite one. So so yeah I think it's really important. There's a guy that I think is great at deliberate texture is JJ J. Johnson. Oh yeah. Who
1: was he was he with, does John, he play with Mayer John Mayer for Yeah. A, for a a number of years and now he's out with the Tedesky trucks band okay which has two drummers so they have to be really careful of not playing too much stuff but he also okay. recorded the album for the girl that i went on tour with so i got to study oh, okay. his parts and when you just look to it the first time through you're thinking okay he's he's playing that habitual ghost notes on every e and a uh kind of stuff that we all do right. but when you really started listening to, it's it like no, he's deliberately playing just on the E in this part of the beat, or just E and on this part of the beat, and he's <sighs> leaving space in the rest of the measure. So it's very deliberate, but it's very texturized,
0: right? Super, and, cool. and that's like that uh, groove that I mentioned, that six-eight groove I mentioned a, a few weeks back when I, when we were studying or when I was looking up Carter McLean, and mm-hmm. you know, I I was like. Okay, that's just a six eight groove, but I why there was so much texture I couldn't decide what's a hi hat, what's a left foot, what's a right. ghost note, what's it was like ah it just sounds beautiful. So <laughs> it, it it can be good. It's just I think like you said, the key is you build up all this repertoire and then you just need to know when it's time to say something simple, you know? And it's hard. I mean drummers spend so much time practicing this stuff, it's very hard to tell somebody, I want you to go spend ten thousand dollars on a Rolex, but you're never allowed to wear it. It's yeah. like wait but I, I want everyone to know that I did this, you know, and the fills are the same way. It's like, but I want everyone to know that I have these cool chops. And it's like, yeah. dude, they're just not required right now. It'll happen. The other thing, and this is kind of getting off the point, but this just happened with some students at camp. And then when the live lessons guys, it's so important to practice everything at different tempos, because the chance that your band will play a song at the exact tempo that you practice all of your cool licks to is almost impossible. And I remember yeah. being yeah. in my rock band and I, that was when I was starting to practice the more advanced stuff. And then every time we'd be in a song, I'd be thinking, I want to try that thing out. But I didn't practice it at this tempo. So I can't hear it in my head. And it's like, why can't we just write a song at my tempo, the one that where all my licks work?
1: You know, we, so, we joke about that here and call that the Nam tempo. Like every yeah, exactly. drummer has that sort of mid-tempo groove where they can do a notes. lot of yep. licks. Everyone yep. does it. And you hear it in a lot of professional drummers when they play clinics because it just is the tempo that is easy to play and feels good. But yeah. you're right. It's those ones that are like five or six BPM faster than that or or yeah. five or six BPM slower than that. Can you control it? And can you play it loud and soft? That's another. And you
0: can't even think of the lick. All of a sudden, you're like, you know, <laughs> boom, cat, <God>, like. <laughs> I was ripping earlier today. What I can't, and so yeah, it's it's really important to practice everything at multiple tempos. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad. I, I was always wondering with your personal drumming, just kind of where that showed up because I know for me it was a very. It was like school band and drum set were very separate. My drum set was for my rock stuff that I was doing at yeah. the time. And then school band was – I was learning all these textures and rudiments, but I wasn't putting the two together. And then mm-hmm. I saw Weckl, uh, Back to Basics yeah. videotape. And I just thought, wait a minute. He's doing all of that stuff that I'm putting so much time into. um Cause the thing that I was missing as a young drummer, I had a drum teacher, but I didn't have a drum mentor yet. My drum teacher literally just gave me stuff out of a book, but never he never hung out with me like a big brother saying, Oh, you gotta check this out, you gotta see this video, you gotta watch this, you gotta listen to that. I didn't have that until I was honestly in my twenties. I think mm. Steve Stephen Gillis from Filter was the first guy, so I was like twenty-two at that time. He was the drum set player for Filter, and we were out opening for them. He was the first person to ever kind of take me under his wing and say, I'm going to show you this. We're going to listen to this. Then I'm going to take you to this jazz club, and you're going to see this guy Willie Jones the Third play with Branford. Right. I I, ha- I didn't have any of that in my in my growing up, and so when I saw Dave Weckl on Back to Basics with his uh, what was it a wine red Yamaha kit? Oh, a beautiful maybe? kit. Yeah, yeah. And that and that dry ride and his <laughs> yeah. stacker, and I was just like, whoa, he's doing all the stuff that I'm. Well, <laughs> he's doing all the stuff I'd like to do someday. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it on the drum set and it's it's just seamless and it's oh it was just so textured. So cool stuff, man. Yeah. Well, let's get into our featured artist. Our featured artist this time is Mr. J Jay Weinberg from the band Slipknot. So do you know how long ago he took this uh took over the drum chair from it was originally Joey Jordison?
1: Yeah, I mean it's surprising. I think it's been a couple of years at this point, but they didn't they just didn't make a big announcement until recently. Okay.
0: And did they have multiple drummers kind of going through the chair or was it always jay and then they were just kind of waiting to make the announcement Do you know
1: well from the i honestly way, don't know well first of all we should say that the we're referring to the august issue of modern drummer which is actually out this week so some of you may already have it may have come okay. in the mail he's on the cover so um he mentions in the story i think that he was kind of the guy from the beginning okay it was just he just knew people in the management and the band and And there might have been some other people, but it it doesn't seem like it. It seems like they brought him in, they played, everything was cool. He knew almost all the songs, and, you know, why look for someone else
0: kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, but I think a lot of people, I mean, if you've been reading the magazine for years, you know that he was on the cover back, uh, I think it was 2009, with his father, who is Max Weinberg of the Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. So uh He actually filled in for Max when Max had to like a tonight show obligation with conan O'Brien or something like that uh-huh so Jay went on the road with bruce as a as a young man i mean he wow. was i don't know if he was even might have been twenty maybe
0: yeah he's still he 's still young now so yeah
1: he definitely is and and I met him um gosh, it probably was 2005 at the Modern Drummer Festival. His dad was just there hanging out because some of his friends were performing, and he had his, this little scrawny kid with him who <laughs> <It> just <laughs> happened to be Jay Weinberg, who has now become you know, one of the most uh, popular drummers in the world. So good for wow. him. Wow,
0: So cool. I mean, I was, I was checking out an interview with him this morning on YouTube, and I, I can't remember if it was on Vader's page or whose page it was, but he was talking about... About Slipknot being the band that caused him to want to play music—not even drums, but just music—and how he he was saying that, like when he saw them play, he's like, I, "I want to do that." And he tried guitar, and he tried everything, and then he tried drums, and it really stuck with him. But so I could totally see if if at eleven he was learning Slipknot songs or wanting to, I could totally see him going to the audition, being like, "Look, man, I didn't just work up this material yeah. t- for this audition. <laughs> like, I am a fan. I know this stuff." Um, now I I do have one question I haven't seen the issue yet Is he on the cover in full Slipknot gear or is he Oh yeah without the- th- That's kind of the uh, I think he had to literally agree to never be
1: photographed without his mask on in the in the context of Slipknot Wow So yeah the cover is I mean it's full Slipknot It's offensive if that kind of stuff offends you I mean it's <laughs> He's wearing like a weird leather face mask with a zipper and
0: like a skull type nose and stuff so typical friday night yeah friday night for me and you just when you and i go out in greenwich village is that what it's called by the way (laughs) yeah i guess so i don't know did you would see these kinds of people walking around in greenwich No, no me and you just me and you that's how we dress Guys, just come on out to the NAM booth. You'll see Mike and I. We've got zippers over our mouths. Oh, Could you imagine gracious.
1: playing a three hour show of like some of the most intense music ever written wearing a
0: mask that you can't open your mouth? I can tell you this my T zone would break out forehead all the way down to the chin, yeah. acne everywhere. Just, uh, you know, that. I mean, <laughs> no, I was watching him give an interview post him being in Slipknot, and he's giving the interview in that mask. And I was like, okay, you can he can bear how can he even breathe in that thing yeah and yeah yeah, i mean and and i watched a ton of videos of him that dude swings i mean like i I don't mean swings like swing he hits he swings for the fences man he so he's not like back there just traditional gripping through this thing he's going for it
1: it. i think it's expected for him to nearly pass out every
0: night i think that's if he doesn't do that Ah. they'll probably be pissed off at him I can't imagine the level of cardio that dude must have to get through that. It's it's unreal, man, cuz obviously Slipknot came about right around the time when we got our first record deal and I remember it was a, they're from Ohio, right? I believe. Mm, Iowa? Iowa, that's it. Iowa. But I remember that being that's even better. From Iowa, that told the entire world of bands Hey, if Slipknot can get a record deal, so can you. Because they right. got, you don't have to move to L.A. You don't have to move to New York. They got signed out of Iowa. And, and I mean, God, when they came out, we didn't even know what to make of it. Because there was pretty much three bands. There was Slipknot, Mudvayne, and Mushroomhead that were all doing a very somewhat similar thing. Yeah. And they were all the bands that my little sissy band did not want to go on tour with. <laughs> we would tell our manager, do not put us as the opening slot on, on Slipknot we will get eaten alive and they're like oh don't worry we put you as the openers with typo negative so they just so the whole crowd chanted F you through our whole set um, <laughs> those guys are extra scary dude are you kidding me it was like the, it was like for me, like you know, like I'm 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 hardcore Metro. Oh, I am yeah. right around the corner from being a girl. I was not <laughs> meant for that stuff. So, yeah. But um. But I the can't bass say player this. player
1: holding his his upright bass like electric guitar. Oh, <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> dude, it was. Yeah, and I and I'm not kidding. The entire crowd for the ato- entire tour chanted "Fu" through our whole set, oh, yeah. forty five minutes of just seeing maybe ten thousand people hate you, and it was like yeah. <laughs> We're winning awesome. this one, but our <laughs> our manager's idea was: this is training. If you can get through this, you can get through anything. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. it just ruined our entire training band. for what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nom. <laughs> but <laughs> I will I will say this at the time. Obviously, the crew that we were kind of running with, new um, you know, new Slipknot and all those bands personally, and I always heard shockingly good things come out of that camp it was always like oh those guys are great man because all we saw was their masks there was no youtube there's no yeah. facebook we just were like we just saw them in magazines and maybe on mtv at 2 30 in the morning and it was like and then i heard nothing but great things so i'm really excited for jay to have that gig especially i mean anytime you can be in the band that you listen to when you were 11 years old how awesome is that
1: yeah i mean he, he literally took over for like his favorite drummer i mean that's that's crazy i can't imagine if if Sting called me tomorrow. I was like, hey, come on tour. I'd be like, "Uh, no, let's call one of 800 other guys for
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. It's, it's so cool. I mean, yeah. yeah, close my eyes and I'm taking Chester Thompson's spot with uh, Genesis drumming <laughs> right. next to Phil Collins. Phil, Uncle Phil looks over. Oh, I, I couldn't imagine it. Couldn't imagine it. Well, anyways, guys, there is a ton of footage out there of Jay Weinberg. On YouTube so check it out it, and you can actually find a lot of stuff I found a ton of stuff of him before he was in Slipknot so you can kind of see what he looks like, recognize him if he's out in public um, and there's a great Guitar Center video where he's uh, the GC produced and he's playing with his dad and you know his dad's got the nice beautiful DW kit and I think um, I don't know if Jay is maybe you know from the article but is he still an SJC guy? Yeah I think so look at his setup. Yeah he's playing SJC yeah. Babinga shell kit
1: yeah he was zildjian. playing a
0: gorgeous um sjc kit so he's zildjian sjc vader evans. i don't know what heads he evans oh yeah. cool man very cool we'll check him out because uh just from the interviews i saw from him he seemed like a, a really great guy and it's always cool when good people get their dream gigs so yeah jay weinberg of slipknot don't take the uh don't take the mask as the uh deterrent no no <laughs> that's just just be like oh cool mike and mike on friday night all right <laughs> gear review candy time and this time it is candy it is the d drum reflex rally sport drum set uh since i haven't seen the issue are you did you get the the black with the cream stripes or did you get the green with the cream stripes the black the black okay yep. so what sizes did you have on this kit uh i think it only
1: comes in one configuration it is yeah the, it's kind of like a classic style so it's a 14 by 22 inch bass drum a 8 by 12 rack tom a 14 by
0: 16 floor tom and a five and a half by 14 matching snare Um, and it's it's a gorgeous kit so it's it's like a flat black and flat cream yeah Um, exactly really cool they have their own sustain system it looks like yeah and it works
1: great i mean it's you wouldn't even notice it because it just looks like a tom mount but it connects to the um two of the lugs on the on the rack tom so, but it's real. It's real sleek. Um, the kit has, I think, it has what kind of hardware is it? Some kind of a black uh, finished. I mean, a, like a nickel finished hardware. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say it looks like brushed nickel. I mean, yeah. that's like, man. As soon as I saw this, and you know, one of the reasons, just for full transparency, one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was so that we could give really, really honest reviews of product and give our own personal opinions. And the first thing I saw when I saw this was. God, I wish this came out six years ago. Oh, I mean, yeah. This would have this would have owned the entire industry. Six, years. this thing is eight hundred dollars. Yeah, that's and these the are things point. that were done on five thousand dollar kits yep. for a very long time. Um, and I just was blown away. I mean, this—if you remember my old DW, this is almost that finish. I just oh, had it. Yeah, that's I had amazing. the black and then the the maple in the middle, so it's very similar. And the the rally stripe thing was so massively popular. Mm. You know, five six years ago. But the Brush Nickel, Rally Stripe, the color combinations they come out with, and the sizes, I mean, the sizes are actually very, very current right now. People are yeah. going to the shallower bass drums finally, um, and you yeah, know, 12, it, 16, this is a great rock and roll drum set. They designed it with the kind of the South by Southwest
1: indie rock drummer in mind, so that's that's what they're going for. Guys who who might own a nice Ludwig kit from the 60s, but don't want to be torn with it, or they just right. want something that that's more road road ready um 800 bucks is really what kind of floored me because i didn't know the price when i when i reviewed it so i just had no idea and then i'm like whoa these things are cheaper than my export
0: yeah no i was i was very as soon as i saw it i was like okay i'll put that even though it's a d drum you know and they they obviously can make some more affordable stuff i'm going to put it at 14.99 that's like right And I didn't think it came with the snare. I was thinking fourteen ninety nine for the three piece. So yeah, and I think um, I
1: mean what they they're using alder wood, which is something that if you're if you're a guitarist or a bass player, you're familiar with that. But it hasn't been used in drums, I don't think, very often or if at all. So they D drum is actually owned by uh, the company that also owns Dean guitars. So okay, they're basically using the same wood from the guitars to make drums and they just discovered that it has a pretty awesome tone. I mean, it's it's short decay, focused pitch, really big and boomy, um, which is kind of perfect for if you're going out on the road, you're going to be playing on stages and mic'd up every night. You don't want your drums to be ringing forever or have so much high end. I mean, if you're playing, if you're playing indie rock, you're playing smaller rooms, so that's another consideration. The drums right. are shallower. I mean, the bass drum is shallower, so you're not... Jutting into your singer's space with that eighteen-inch bass drum, right? Um, so I mean, it, they kind of hit on a pretty cool little recipe with this. I, I'm hoping they kind of expand it with maybe just kind of more standard finishes and right. just kind of keep it in the lineup because it's it's competitive and it was all kind of the brainchild of <clears throat> a good buddy of mine, Felix, who works at D Drum and he he just wanted to create a kit like this, a good gigging kit, you know, with a with a kind of a classic fat sound that was easy to deal with. I didn't spend much time tuning it. It sounded amazing, like medium and medium and like super low. So that's the audio. I'll drop in the audio of just like the low tuning. So you'll hear how fat it was.
0: No muffling on anything. Nice. Now I do have one question and and you might actually not know the answer to this because it's not really about the drums, but in the, in the industry we're in, this is almost kind of a, a little no, no, but it looks like they're selling direct. Like you can buy this It's uh, there's an add to cart button on their actual website. Um, I don't know if that maybe that goes to a dealer and then you have to pick uh, it up. No, it's I'm I'm checking out. I'm buying it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it it says they'll ship it to me in 14 days. So I you know I I know that a lot of companies you know are are staying away from doing anything direct. Um, But yeah, I was actually because when I saw the 7.99, I initially thought okay, so that's, that's list price. That means this thing sells for like four, oh, right. you know, 80. Yeah. And then I, and then I saw an add to cart button and I was like, it's not taking me to GC or MF or, or, you know, music one, two, three, it's letting me add to cart. So that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy too, that you can just buy it direct from their website. Um, I will say this, I, I mentioned it earlier, but that finish ki I mean, at seven, at 800 bucks, that's kind of insane. That's, yeah, that's it's. something that you would have had to get through SJC or DW or you know a custom or CNC a custom company a few years ago so to get that for eight hundred bucks. And especially yeah. if you say that that you like the sound of the drums, I, I'm really excited to hear this because, like you said earlier, I have no representation in my head of an Alder kit. I've never yeah. heard one. I've never heard. I don't have an Alder snare drum. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what this does. Well, let's check it out.
1: okay it's time for listener questions um remind everyone if you want to be part of the 50th episode all listener question and answer please send them over to mdinfo at modern Um, and we have a you know half a dozen or so audio questions so it'd be nice to have maybe a dozen of those so if you're not afraid to speak into a microphone and record it send it over and we'll drop that in so we can get some of our listeners voices in the show um, and all the questions that have been coming in have been really good. I think we can we can certainly fill an hour with what we already have, but I'd like to have you know a few more. So keep them coming in. mdinfo in at com. Today we're just going to answer a few of them. We've got one from Andrew Pang. He is in Hawaii, and his question is, what kind of setup would you use for reggae slash pop gig? He's been experimenting with all kinds of setups, but he hasn't found exactly the right one, so he wanted to ask us.
0: Hmm. Any Great question. Well, I mean, I think luckily with – I've actually – I got I got married in Jamaica. Um, and I, I've been there three times now and spent a lot of time in Jamaica. Hawaii, man, so Hawaii. Reggae. <laughs> I know where he lives. <laughs> you ass. What I'm saying is I've actually I, – I haven't just seen reggae when it's like – the four white dudes down at the country club i've actually i just derailed you i'm sorry (laughs) so uh, my good friend um yeah so I, you know, they have very, very, very normal kits. Their Their kits are extremely dead, you know, gaff tape all over the heads, just holding it together. These are very muffled kits. So I'm just speaking of the reggae side now. Um, a lot of times they don't have bottom head, so it's even more dead. And then they generally have, a, not always, but a lot of times they'll just have a side snare and they just keep it turned off and they just crank the crap out of it. And it gives them a little timbali sound. Just for a few different licks and chops, so I don't think you have to do anything too crazy. But obviously, the difference between going traditional reggae and then pop, you know, I think you can find a balance there somewhere, which is just probably either twenty or twenty-two kick with a pillow in it, twelve-inch rack tom, a uh, sixteen-inch floor tom, and and a fourteen by five and a half to six and a half snare. I mean, very traditional. Um, I don't think it's it's not something where you have to go too crazy. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much the same thing. I would say, <clears throat> we with we no more info, like is it is it classic reggae and right. like Beatles style pop, or is it contemporary R and B type pop? Right. I think the the pop side of it is really the the part of the equation that I'm I'm hesitant to suggest one way or the other. But like I say, if you're going classic reggae, I mean, you could just look up images of Carlton Barrett with Bob Marley, and you'll see he's playing an old Ludwig kit with no front yep. head on the bass drum, big old pillow or, a, or his jacket inside of it, and no bottom heads on the toms, and he's got tissues taped all over him. He usually has like a 5x14 supraphonic or an acrolyte snare drum that he just cranks, and he almost always has like a cowbell attached to his hi-hat, and maybe, um, maybe a timbali. So yep. you could add that and the tambourine. You can get one of those like accessory packs from LP or I think Mino might have one. Or I know Tycoon has one that comes with like a jam block and a cowbell and a tambourine. So you could just put that off to the left side. Either use a side snare cranked or get a, you know, just get a timbali. You could cover those sounds. But the if it's more of a contemporary thing, I think it's just a clean, punchy drum set with some extra colors. Cowbells, timbales, or snares with the snare off. Symbols should just be normal newbie style yeah. hi hats. I mean, it's really kick drum, hi hat, and snare drum is the sound. So,
0: yeah, I, I yeah, I I don't think you have to go too extreme with this. I think just uh, keep it classy, San Diego. There we go. Hope that helps. Hawaii, <laughs> Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you live in Jamaica, uh, head on down to Dolphin's Cove. All right. All right. Next question comes from David Alexander.
1: He is, um, he says actually he feels like he's hanging at a drum shop when he listens to the show. That's pretty cool. Um, That's that's, that's kind of the vibe we wanted.
0: Could that, can we just put that on the cover of the podcast? (laughs) Like, David, we're using your quote. It's beautiful.
1: His question is he's been teaching and playing, he's been playing and teaching for over 35 years, and he's finding it, increasingly finding that his students are not willing to learn the rudiments. Mm. Hmm. he hates to sound like an old man, but he thinks they're essential to building a musical and technical musical vocabulary and a technical ability. So he says, granted, there's a lot of drummers who are self-taught who never actually learned the rudiments, even though they probably learn them different ways. Yeah. They're still um, using them. So he's wondering if we see this as a trend as well, and maybe we could offer some suggestions
0: for how to get over that. Sure. Yeah, of course. I think anything's a trend. There's just so many trends that happen. You know, the trend for a while was chops, and then all of a sudden, the John Mayer trio came out, and the trend was groove, and everyone wanted, to know, everyone wanted to know, how do I play behind the beat? How do I play ahead of the beat? They were only asking questions about groove, and then at some point, someone that's cool will rip a rudimental solo, and everyone will want to know about rudiments, and that'll be the new trend for the next two years. I can say this. Whatever rudiments you want your t- your students to learn, you, David, is it David? Yes, David Alexander. David David, you need to have the dessert of that rudiment. So my thought, like <clears throat> when I would have younger students come in the room and I would just, they'd walk in the room, I might, and I want to have them work on the par- the single paradiddle. I would be playing a 30 second note groove built out of nothing but single paradiddles, which would then cause the the interaction to happen organically. I rip the groove. The student walks in, eyes wide open, and they go, what was that? And I'm like, oh, I'm glad you asked. That's, that's actually just a, a groove built out of single paradiddles. And then from that moment on, they're willing to work on that. And then the next time they come in, I'm working on inverted paradiddles. And the next time it's, a crazy lick with Swiss triplets and then flam accents and cheesed patta And every time it's triggering that organic moment for them to go, what was that? So I, I just make sure whatever vegetables I'm trying to serve, I always have the dessert version of it to show them first. I always show them the dessert and then I can get them to eat their vegetables. What about you, buddy?
1: Um, I have nothing to add. That was a perfect response.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why you are the guru teacher. (laughs) <laughs> Let's re- 1054 AM PST. Mike said something nice to me.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I I agree. I mean, cool. I, I definitely see it as a trend and <clears throat> not necessarily because they don't want to learn the rudiments. It's just it's like, oh, it's a big why now. I think kids are smarter than maybe we were when we were kids. Like we just did what our teachers told us because we knew that was what you're supposed to do. I don't know if kids are smarter, but they're just more like aware, more self-aware. Like, yeah, they, and they
0: have more outside influences. I mean, my my only reference for drumming was my drum teacher. So whatever he said to do, I wanted to be him. So I was like, okay, I'll do this.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know.
0: but yeah, cool. don't let them don't let them go. That's
1: definitely the the crux of the entire. I mean, I think. <laughs> You could probably analyze any drum set performance in the history of drum set and break it down to the 26 rudiments. So,
0: Absolutely. It's not Absolutely. like they're reinventing the vocabulary. If, even if I was going to say, so it'd be words. really weird to go into your English you know, class at school and they're like, we're done with words. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to start <laughs> speaking. It's like, but I can't speak because I don't know any words. Actually, you wouldn't say that because you wouldn't know any words. You'd go, <laughs> I mean, even back to caveman times. Exactly. We can't have that drawn <laughs> pictures on the walls. All right. Next. All right. Thanks,
1: David. So our third one and last one for this week is coming from, um, Jordan Belotti. He wants to know what, if we know what the differences are between Turkish made symbols and Chinese made symbols. So he's, he's mm-hmm. noticing that a lot of people are kind of down on the Chinese made stuff. But with a company like Dream, who's making really good sounding stuff coming out of China, he's wondering if we had any any thoughts of the differences.
0: Uh, I'll be 100% honest. I thought Dream was a Turkish symbol just because of their sound. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it's I,
1: probably the biggest difference is in China. I don't know that there are their quality control would be as consistent or or that they even would have a reference for what i mean if what a symbol's is supposed to sound like as drum set is so kind of new there yes so that maybe early on with some of the chinese brands you just kind of got crashes that were like wow that sounds like a gong like a lot is or it just sounds like a plate of metal but right. the guys from dream who's a, a, a canadian company and i think they're all like classically trained badass percussionists so they they had the their care. designs. They went over yeah. there and made sure that their designs were made to their, you know, what they wanted it to be. So that's that's probably why Dream sounds better than maybe some of the more generic Chinese stuff. But also, I think the source of the bronze it has a big a big mm-hmm. thing to do with it. I know that the bronze, for whatever reason that you get in Turkey is is you just can't get it anywhere else. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just it's exclusive to to their symbols. I think. No, I, mean, I can't
0: verify <clears throat> that, but I, that's. Maybe you know this because I I know very little about Dream other than I've seen them in shops. I've played them and I always... It was kind of like that D-Drum kit. Like, I played it and I was like, oh, it's a great $400 ride. And then it was like, $179? <laughs> yeah. What the... Are you guys blowing this out? And I'm like, no, it's the normal price. <laughs> so I, I don't know much other than my experience, which has been great. Is it the same as what Meinl goes through where they're made that only the Byzance line is made in Turkey, but they're not fully made. They're just formed and hammered there and then they're lathed and all the processing happens in Germany. Do you know if with Dream, is it the same thing or are they coming from China to Canada completely done? Is Dream doing anything in Canada?
1: I'll have to find out but I don't think they're doing anything in Canada. I think it's it's just their
0: designs, it's all their concepts but they're
1: being produced over there. Exactly and there's some great stuff. I had a set of them when they first came out. I bought a set because I wanted something that was kind of cheap but still sounded rich that I could take out on local gigs and I had some of the Bliss series, which is their thin yes. stuff. One mm-hmm. that I put rivets in, it sounded amazing. And my my favorite drummer, Aaron Sterling, uses a, a Bliss crash with rivets on a lot of stuff. So they're they're legit, like for real cymbals. Some of the heavier stuff, I I personally didn't. They were kind of chunky and platy. They weren't my my taste. Right. Um, but for kind of that Turkish dark complex sound, but not having to pay the the price, you really they're kind of hard to beat. Um, Honestly, if I good. was
0: like a, if I was doing the rock thing still, or if I was even just a, a casual gigging drummer, I would go out and get a Gretsch Catalina Club and a set of Dream Bliss cymbals, and it would just be like, hey, whenever you need me to play a jazz gig, I will get us through the gig. I'm not trying to be Tony Williams. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, but I will get us through the gig with a proper enough sound that I clearly didn't just bring my rock kit and my rock cymbals to the gig. Um, you know or or whatever the gretsch catalina club is in your favorite brand you know right. i'm sure yamaha makes one tama makes one um, by the way speaking of small awesome drum sets that aren't gretsch that tama silverstar is dope man i've yeah. played like four or five of them now i just i can't get over how great that kit you sounds you
1: know what where i think tama kills everybody at that price point is their hardware like, Oh it yeah. is i mean the, it's it's for real hardware and they've got the cool swiveling Tom uh, thumb screw on their Tom mount now, which they that was originally like a Star series feature that they just put on all their lower level stuff. So, so if you put the rack Tom on the right or the left, you can swivel the thumb screw to make it easy to get to. Wow, that's super cool. cool. I mean, I've always been blown away with the quality of their drum hardware. Whereas some of the other brands, you can tell that that's how they're saving money that it's it's going to break down. They're using that pot metal kind of clamps and things, or it's just going to they're going to strip out and stuff after a couple years, but yeah, this, this the Thomas stuff is no
0: joke. So yeah, that's our answer on your symbols. The Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, the Thomas Silver Star is the way to go, man. Oh, I, I guess goodness. we answered it.
1: I mean, v- essentially, I think it's the quality of the bronze is. I would assume in China it's a variable quality that they're not really being super yeah. stringent. Whereas Turkey, they have their formula that they only use for their stuff. So
0: and it's it's growing. It's a growing market. I mean, they you know they brought Jojo there, then they brought. Me there for like a two week tour. Then Thomas was just there for like four weeks. Thomas Lang. Um, so they're 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 starting to bring people over, and it's going to grow. And and the more it grows, and the more profit that there could possibly be, the more effort they're going to be able to put into cymbals and, and the care of the of the equipment. But I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to Nam now because I want to spend some time walking around all the different cymbal companies and find out where they're from. Because I that's one thing that really never occurred to me. I never really thought to. Ask where do you make this? I mean, because the the American companies, the Canadian companies, and the Turkish companies are so obvious. Uh, I just I honestly didn't know Dream was made in China, so that's that's cool stuff. Yeah. All right, well that that rocked out our uh, listener questions. Like Mike said, please keep sending them in. And by the way, the listener questions don't stop on episode fifty, so we can always use your questions. We love getting to this stuff and everything that you could possibly ask is something that Mike and I were asking ourselves at some point. And the one thing I want you guys to understand is your questions help so many other people out because they're asking the exact same thing, and they might not have the courage to write in or even the time to write in. So keep your questions coming. We love them all. Now it is time for our pick of the week. This is the area of our show where Mike made me look like an idiot (laughs) last week with his deep, deep pick and then i picked a memory card so um this book is from <laughs> nietzsche no <laughs> so let me go I'm
1: first because i got the i got the, the small stupid one this oh time. you do okay
0: no mine, mine's pretty lame too but I'll, I'll let you go i won't i won't trump it with like <laughs> the bible all right <laughs> well
1: i was going to pick this last week uh I don't remember how I saw it. I think it was on Instagram. I just saw this. Some company posted a, a an ad for this thing called an X clip. X clip. Okay. If if you if you've done much work in the studio or if you own a studio and you and you've experimented with double micing the top of the snare drum with like a SM57 mm, and yeah. a small diaphragm condenser, you end up having to like tape them together, which makes it. Eventually, they're going to kind of s- s- droop apart, and you're going to have some issues there, or just positioning it kind of is kind of a drag this company x clip x hyphen clip they i can't believe no one's done it before but they created just a little plastic clip that that makes the 57 and the small diaphragm condenser connect together and it's pretty awesome
0: yeah i'm looking at it right now
1: it is not expensive i i I actually when i was in the session in brooklyn a couple weeks ago it was right when i got these in to check out and I didn't bring it with me, but they were doing that. They were they were like out there, like adjusting the mics and taping it and retaping it and moving it. And I told the guys, like, you know, you need one of these things called an X clip. So then I actually just sent him one the next week, and he says they're already using it a ton. So
0: oh, that's great. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, a it's simple just, thing. Um,
0: and guys, it's the dot com is the website, um, and yeah, or at least. As long as that's the right one. Yeah, that's um, it. It's just a little plastic clip that hooks onto a 57,
1: and you can you can attach another mic to it. It's it $20. It bucks. Yes. It's yeah. totally worth it if you're doing a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it looks like you use your normal mic clip for the 57. Then this clips onto the 57, and then you can put your pencil condenser into that. Exactly. And it's it. it's just... There's no, I mean,
1: you can move it. You can still slide it up and down to get it in the right spot, and it's it's easy to remove the
0: cable or just take the mic off. That makes so much sense. That's fantastic. Yeah, what a cool product. Well, mine is actually a video, and I wanted to take you guys back. I'm sure most of you guys have heard the term gospel chops, and it's kind of funny. I I found this link on my YouTube channel. I don't really check out my own YouTube channel very often, but I guess I had like some playlists from back. Uh, This was added in June of 2006, so a decade ago. This was added, and I made a playlist of, like, just what—at the time, I didn't even know what it was, but I guess it's, you know, what became Gospel Chops on YouTube. Now, this is not gospel drumming, so for that, please check out Calvin Rogers. Um, Just check out Calvin Rogers. Start there. It's a great place to start. These are guys more just kind of hanging out after church— And having fun. And that's what kind of became Gospel Chops in in the YouTube world. So all you would do is go to YouTube and you're going to type in J bass, one word, capital J, capital B, A S S on drums. So J bass on drums. And I remember seeing this and I just lost my mind because I'd never heard anything like this. And... Every chop and every lick you could ever imagine—it's in there. But these guys are just having fun. And actually, uh, I don't know if you know this guy. Do you know of a drummer named Pete Alexander? I do um, not. No. Okay, I just did a festival with him in Canada, and he's done a, a ton of pop and R and B, like famous R and B gigs. But he was part of this church, and so—and I hadn't, you know, it was a decade later. We're in Canada with Ron Dinette doing the Stickman Drum Experience, and he's on stage, and I just shout out, I'm like yo, I know you from YouTube. And, and I was like, were you that guy? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, red carpet, church, two overhead mics. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I used to obsess over your videos. And so anyways, um, this, uh, this is a, like I said, it, it was just kind of a flashback. I saw the video and I was like, oh my gosh, I remember just obsessing over this thing. This was one of the things that was, I mean, w- when this happened, there was none of this on YouTube. This is a decade ago, so it really kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. And then, you know, a lot of stuff happened after that. So just check it out; it's, it's pretty cool stuff. So that is my pick of the week. I mean, you imagine just ten years ago, this stuff was like
1: in its infancy. I mean, I, I remember oh, yeah. not even be able being able to access YouTube
0: on my computer because it was so so glitchy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I remember I remember loading YouTube videos and just pressing pause, and it's like, I'll come back after dinner and be able <laughs> right. to watch a full minute <laughs> right. of the worst footage. I mean, like, it wasn't like HD, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate
1: uh, for Vic first because they were early to the game, but all that early stuff was at such
0: low res that yeah. it's like it's hard to even watch some of that stuff. Dude, I've, I've had to refilm all of my videos multiple times because technology just keeps growing. and. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. But it is kind of fun to go on a journey and be like, "Oh yeah, I remember this stuff, you know." And what was funny is there was no sharing. There was no Facebook at the time. There was MySpace at this time. Right. So, how did you let people know that you even saw this? You know, it was I mean, the interaction was actually happening on on YouTube itself. So, yeah, it was it, it was a it was a fun time, and the world has changed so much in a decade. So yeah. now now Mike and I just stand outside and yell for the kids to get off our lawn. <laughs> like old men. Practice your rudiments. <laughs> yes. If you don't know a flammadiddle, we can't spend time together. Go get an X clip. <laughs> all right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. That is all for episode 48. We will be back next week with more stuff to discuss. If you get a chance, stop by whatever place you're getting this podcast from. And give us a favorable rating and possibly a review. Those things just help other people find this podcast. And our goal has always been the same thing, just to help you feel more in the loop with the drum world. And, like, who was it? Was it Dave that said it? Yeah. That uh, It's like hanging out at a drum shop. That's just the greatest, man. God. That that brings back so many memories of just hanging out at the drum shop counter and just, like, Like, hey, there's three people in the world that get it. I thought I was alone. This is so cool. Every pair of sticks in the bin, just check them all out. Yep. (laughs) That was great. All right, buddy, I will see you next week. Have a great week, man. All right, see ya. Peace.